March 15, 2018. This is Postmarktum, and I'm Scott316. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, we're cruising down the road to WrestleMania for the sixth time in our friendship. Sixth time in our friendship. Because the first one that we, we were really both invested in together was WrestleMania 28. Yeah, that's right. Which was 2012. It was CM Punk versus Chris Jericho and the once in a lifetime main event that you missed or no. I didn't miss it. I was I watched that first. But you missed the seeds that were set. See, I got the full story cuz I was back in by WrestleMania 27. So I came in right after that. Uh-huh. Uh at WrestleMania 27 cuz I came in for the uh, Money in the Bank match. That was like the moment for you. That was the moment for me. That was right. it. I was in. That was the first time I'd been back in uh, fully on my own as a solo wrestling watcher. Right. Because I think like we were living together uh, in 2009 and 2010. We both graduated from college. English majors. We were working at Jimmy John's. and Overeducated, underemployed. Yeah. And drinking a lot of... Milwaukee's best light, I remember, and and then we just come, you know, it, I think a, a natural like topic that comes up when you're a product of the Attitude Era, as we are, is the fact that we used to watch wrestling when we were in our teen years, sure, right, and then we started just talking again, again about like, oh man, remember, remember DX. Oh, that was cool. That was very cool. And I remember uh, very specifically a moment of uh, someone brought up Stone Cold at some point early on in that house that we lived in together. Yeah. And I thought, man, it would be hilarious to be Stone Cold Steve Austin for Halloween. That's right. Uh, and at that point, I had no earnest intention uh-huh. of of celebrating <laughs> wrestling in any way. I thought Stone Cold uh, was a hilarious, uh, a bit of a jackass, yeah. kind of a piece of shit. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's a little bit, a little bit of a tough guy. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, but after uh, kind of like preparing for that Halloween role, uh, I think I, at least I, got into YouTubing uh, some old Stone Cold matches. Yeah, yeah, because it was like kind of open source back then, and I remember like when I was a freshman in college, like I fell off a of wrestling when. I was 13 or something like that. I think it was like 99, 2000 was kind of when I hit my hard stop. But I was so bored in the dorms my freshman year of college that I just called through all of Wikipedia and just like read everything. And it was at that point too that I was kind of realizing like it was maybe my first introduction to the fact that like, whoa, the internet is this crazy beacon for all sorts of stories. And that was, you know, the first time that I heard like stories about the ultimate warrior, that famous story of Jimmy Snuka and, or no, I'm sorry, the iron Sheik and hacksaw Jim Duggan mm. getting pulled over, mm-hmm. smoking weed in a car together. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> but, you know, we kind of came back to it with this, like sort of this ironic, viewpoint of it and kind of both being english majors both like having a a good time of like all right like let's let's watch this and like use the the analytic brains that we have to kind of like look at what's being put on display here like what what's the pathos of stone cold steve austin that's that's totally true and i think that a lot of that uh you know came off of like our pseudo intellectual steez at the time being uh postgraduate but not really doing much with our lives yeah. thinking we're a lot smarter than we were right it's uh, action movies and pro wrestling it's all it's all spelled out like yeah. so plainly these are very simple storylines that we were looking at and trying to analyze in a way that we'd been previously analyzing Don DeLillo or uh, I don't know Sam and Rushdie or like like big name authors, big books, capital L literature, and we're right. taking this and applying it uh-huh. to something like wrestling or Air Force One or Jean Claude Van Damme, and uh, that was like a huge spot. That was a big like landmark spot that we were at in yeah. our lives at that point. And in time. I think it was like it was a fun kind of like trip down memory lane too, because like I got into wrestling when I was. I mean, really, I do have like I, it's funny like everybody. All the wrestlers kind of have that, like, that Roddy Roddy Piper memory. And I do have, like, an early, early base memory of Roddy Roddy Piper, like, giving an interview and, like, yelling at the TV. And I was, like, three or four. And 
my dad was watching it, but my dad kind of fell off when my dad actually it's from my dad's like when the undertaker came that was it for me it was just too cartoony it's and too i'm much. like you don't understand dad taker is important i know he's terrifying you would not believe the way that this guy moves through so many eras in this unbelievable way maintaining the character but also evolving out of it and then back into it but you know i was a i was a kid and i liked it um i went to wrestlemania 11 and Hartford. I grew up on the East so Coast. So jealous. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't miss that much. Salt and Pepper were great. Uh, yeah, that's tight. And that uh, that Diesel Shawn Michaels main event was cool. And I thought I thought Lawrence Taylor was like the dopest. Well, what? You, how old were you? I was in second grade. Yeah, absolutely. He was amazing then. That's a perfect time to see that. And I mean, I think that's such a testament to like these phases of life that you're going through of being a wrestling fan. Yeah. And being sure. able to appreciate Lawrence Taylor then when you're seven or eight versus now, obviously. Right. Because you look like at us. it now and it's like, oh man, all right, like look at this slouch and now he's out of the NFL and he's coming here for a payday. And back then I'm just like, oh no way. Like this, the football player is going to fight Bam Bam Bigelow. That's insane. Um, and yeah, like I was, I was a very, very ardent wrestling fan during what is a dark time for the WWF, now E. But then, you know, I was also conscious during the Monday Night Wars and like when the Attitude Era came and then all of a sudden everybody's like getting into wrestling. I'm like, yeah, I've been here the whole time. Sure. And I was definitely one of the people that came on. A couple of years after you. Was it like that? Was it just... I was an Attitude Era kid for sure. Because uh-huh. I didn't have cable growing up. I had a pretty strict household. Yeah. I uh, wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 movies. It was a big uh, ordeal trying to even watch wrestling. Uh, and then it came along and I watched it at my friend Ross's house. I spent a lot of time over there. Uh, going on Monday nights. Picking it up because he got excited. His family was like... His little brother would watch it. His older sister would watch it. So I was yeah. just coming over every week. Uh-huh. And I'd watch pay-per-views prior to that. I'd like seen a couple royal rumbles here and there i knew who the cool guys were i knew the undertaker was the best 100 <laughs> percent uh and, but then you know like austin starts creeping in the rock starts showing up uh so that's definitely when i came in at those that. were the guys that like you latched on to and i remember like i was a huge huge Shawn michaels fan in 95 96 like boyhood dream Shawn michaels like he was my guy and then i remember the 14 main event coming and just being like all right Austin's the best he's and the he's best. gonna take it and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move along with it but then it got, then it got taken away from me my parents were just like one day they're like no you can't watch that anymore seriously I'm 14 years old like I, I, the, what it's gonna happen to me now at like, this what? point I don't know I mean it did get uncool yeah, in very high quickly, school. right around the age of 14. Yeah. It, I mean, that was probably more of a blessing than a curse that you had to stop watching. Yeah. Uh, or else you would have been one of the weird kids that continued <laughs> watching throughout high school. Right. And it's it's like the, um, you know, the question that you're asked when you're eight years old and still like it's even even worse when you're an adult, you know, it's fake, right? It's like, yeah, of course, I, I, of course, I know it. it's fake. And I remember that being like a way to like judge WWF as being better than WCW is because WCW was like so fake. You could tell it's so Mm -hmm. much faker than WWF. But like getting back into it, like with this sort of like, you know, meta ironic, you know, way that we're watching it and way that, you know, we started like getting DVDs netflix dvds sent to the house so that we can like hang out and watch wrestlemania 10 and then some people are coming over and they're saying like hey it's still cool like well, I'm, i still watch it it's still couple, really good a couple people came over for the most part people came over and uh totally belittled us for watching this and we said no this is hilarious yeah, this is yeah, fun yeah. right like shut up drink your beer uh-huh. we're having a great time making fun of this wrestling but yeah you're right a couple people came over and they said Wrestling is still cool, you guys. Wrestling is still cool, and it was those people. It was Ben and Marla. After you left, you moved to Chicago. I stayed in Normal for another year, and I had to find new friends, and I found some good ones, Ben and Marla, who were watching Monday Night Raw, and they were watching it every week, and then I started going over there. So that was, I think, my introduction back into it 
was January 2011. But, I mean, before then, you and I were both finding those Masked Men essays. Yeah, you introduced me to those, uh, the old Deadspin ones, the yeah. uh, Dead Wrestler of the Week. Uh, and they kind of started blowing my mind. And that was kind of, it all kind of melded together at, at a perfect pace there because uh, we'd been watching, ironically, we'd been, you know, drinking beers, watching Austin. Uh, and at some point in time, you must have stumbled across them somehow. Yeah, I was a, I was an avid, avid Deadspin reader back in the day. I mean... So there they were. They're just like all of all of a sudden it just pops up Dead Wrestler of the Week. And you know, I remember like you and I talking too about like man, like what these what's happening to these guys is crazy. And then like going through those stories of like, you know, like Chris Benoit had just happened and like, mm-hmm. you know, less severe iterations of like, whoa, like some real life shit happens to these people and Shoemaker puts these essays together that just like they do this unbelievable juxtaposition of like the wrestling character and the real life and the way those two intertwine in this way that, I mean, we're sitting and like drinking beers in the living room and watching this and thinking that we're like so smart. And then here's this guy who's just like got his head on straight and he puts it together in this unbelievable way. On so many like on levels that we kind of thought we were on, but just doing things that were so much smarter and so much more insightful. And I think that like, the way that he started illustrating, yeah, like you said, uh, kind of wrestling, in-ring, persona uh, factors of a person against their real-life stuff and, like, kind of, like, finding these pivotal moments in their careers and, um, I-, I don't know, like, intertwining the whole thing uh, made it something that was, like, really easy to grasp onto at that point and it turned it into something that, like, this is giving us, this is, like, real proof out there that this bullshit that we're engaging in, these, like, wacky, dumb uh, mindless activities, quote unquote, of like us drinking beer and watching wrestling and and talking about it in smart ways. Shoemaker's articles, uh, kind of like turned that into something real for us, at least for me. Yeah, it it did, and I think that he was really really smart to like understand the environment in which all this was taking place and to you know talk about like the seriousness of. The storylines and like the the portrayals that these people were embodying but also he was very very smart to just point out the absurdity of wrestling as a concept the fact that it's existed for a hundred years you know and goes back even further but the fact that you know everybody is in there in this willful participation of two people who are pretending to fight and i always loved the way that he you know, was tactful in asserting that it always was like to the point, to the greater point that he was trying to make about real life and, you know, the, the actual like severe punishment that these people were putting their bodies through in order to embody these characters, these real life characters. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, him tackling that in a way, like going through the uh, the dead wrestler avenue, that that angle that he's had that he had in, initially and kind of turned into his whole wrestling writing and, and talking career. That was such a perfect avenue for him to analyze the the real life implications of wrestling and how it uh, fits and intertwines and talks about real life and human beings and actual narratives. And I think that, like you know, that was getting me really excited and and thinking about wrestling and then you know all of a sudden i got i got these homies who are really really down with the product now just like we were then and so having people that are stoked about it who are also you know being like all right so here's john cena let me explain john cena to you because you've missed all of it and that's crazy to consider. And I was watching and I was like, you know, I was having a good time and I wasn't really investing too much, I would say. Sure. I was, you know, I watched WrestleMania 27 and I had a pretty good time, but what put it over the edge was punk. Right, right. And I remember uh, coming down to visit you in uh, Normal, Illinois, where you were hanging out with these people watching wrestling. And uh, I, I ended up like catching on a little bit right towards that uh the end after mania 27 happens yeah i watched it with you guys again at some point uh-huh. uh over at ben's place and uh and you know had gotten to it had built up enough where this was like cool i'm 
gonna watch this in earnest. This is the first new wrestling I've watched with any actual serious intent in like 10 years. Yeah. And I'm gonna actually watch this with you guys. I'm gonna sit here. We're gonna be hungover and we're gonna watch this full uh-huh. show. <laughs> when I see The Miz like knock his head off the ground or whatever. And, and that was definitely it. That was the thing that like led up. That was the, for me, that was what allowed me to open my eyes and be willing to accept what CM Punk was. Right. Because I think what, I think what kept me from really like fully investing was that it had taken this turn away from like that hard attitude era and that like ruthless aggression into something that seemed like a little bit more of like a, like a childlike production. I think it was, it had definitely moved into the, like the PG era and there was just something that was like, this is, this is good and I'm appreciative of it, but I need like a full investment point. I need to get onto something the way I got onto Stone Cold Steve Austin. Totally. And I remember, you know, being in college and having like the current product show up on TV now and then and people like John Cena and Batista show up and you're at this point where you're like, of of course these dumb Superman giants are on the wrestling show yeah. that I'm over at this point. I'm 19 now, and I think this guy's an asshole. Yeah, this guy's clearly an asshole. <laughs> and and you're absolutely right. Like that's We needed something, a unifying force that could take this steady build of, of academic analyzation of wrestling and focus it on something that we could get behind, someone that's not John Cena, someone that's not a, a Superman, muscle man figure. And I think that, you know, we're already thinking about it in terms of a much fuller spectrum than just like what's happening on tv so the fact that this guy like sits down and says i got a lot of things to get off of my chest and just like talks about the back talks about like the people who are in charge talks about the audience talks about it in this way that's just like this is you know this is the way people all around it are talking about it. This idea that like, you know, the audience is participating in this way and they're kept from it. And it's yeah. like, you know, like the outside knowledge that they already have, it's kind of like, you know, in 95, 96, when, when the WWF was like not really acknowledging the fact that there were people on WCW who were, portraying their WWF characters to some extent and saying, like, you know who I am. For sure. And, and I mean, like, around that time, you get Vince uh, coming out and giving the, uh, uh, you feel like your intelligence is being insulted speech. Right. Well, I mean, uh, that's not until, like, two years later. But, like, once that happens, But that's it's like, what opens yeah. it up, right? And then uh, as soon as that happens, the Attitude Era shows up, and that's, like, it's in full force, right? And similarly, I think, like, punk is one of those pivotal moments being, like, acknowledging what we're doing here. And... You know, like we, we've we been talking about, we hadn't been watching the current product, but we'd been building up insider knowledge for the past year or two right. of reading these Deadspin articles, reading shit on Wikipedia, learning about like who's who and what's what and what had happened back in the Attitude Era when we did care, reading up old stories about those old wrestlers. All this is built up. We know what gorilla position is at this point. We know all the insider terms. We know, yeah. you know everything that we could possibly know except for the current storylines uh-huh. and so when punk comes out and lays down all of this stuff it's still super meaningful to all of us when the pipe bomb comes out right it's like yeah dude of I, course, I know that vince is I'm, an asshole yeah, yeah he's the worst guy we all understand this and and for like that to come out it's like really a, a perfect uh a perfect thing to connect with and a perfect like jumping in point in such in, in a really weird way yeah i think in and it did this incredible thing too where it was like tied into a storyline. He has a match against the champion. The night his contract expires. So when we bought tickets for that, when I was like, yo, we're going to this. We have to go to this. It's in Chicago. It's, it's like there's this crazy amount of just like, you know, speculation. And then there's just the fact of like, what are they going to do? I really have no idea. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed from having no uh, prior knowledge to how any sort of like small scale, like any any sort of shoot work shoots had worked in the previous, you know, 10 years or whatever, and also to like 
have all of Chicago and all of their internet wrestling folks being so hyped about this thing and being able to just jump in and this be the first step of like getting back into wrestling. Was, right. It was just at a boiling point. It was unreal. Yeah, because it, it was just this feeling like the script had been completely thrown out and the you know the way the script works with the wrestlers and what the fans are supposed to be doing and just all of it this entire like interactive experience is just getting shaken up really really hard and yeah it was just like absolutely incredible i think from a from a standpoint of just like you know looking at looking at things like through a postmodern lens for so so long and then just being like an active participant in what was what felt like a very pivotal moment in the storytelling narrative of this thing that had been in existence for a hundred years yeah a hundred percent and it's what's really interesting about it is that like it was such an important moment in wrestling but like even having no prior knowledge of what was going on. It was, I guess what it was is like such a confluence of everything that it was a perfect spot to come in on because uh, it was a huge moment at that time. I don't know. I don't know if there are other moments where new wrestling fans came in, if there are other similar uh, entry point moments. I mean, the Attitude Era is one. I think like that's an easy one to, to look at when right. like, wrestling became huge, when WCW and you know WWF were, were fighting each other, whatever. But I don't know if there's another moment similar to that punk one where it's just like, this is nuts. You have to watch this. It's not the. It's doing things that uh, your perception of fake fighting or whatever this bonkers like industry is. It's doing things that are like completely fucking with that. Right. Yeah. It's it's completely like throwing everything through a loop. It's it's causing you to question, and it's also like it's introduced this uh, aspect of the storytelling where they are very very clearly using the the outside narrative to help drive their own and that's super exciting just because that's it's really never been done and it's done like in fiction it's done in like other medias to some extent but none where there's an active participating audience and being in that audience and being and feeling as though like you're your stake in this mattered feeling like you were really really wanting cm punk to win in that match because you had a vested interest in what that would dictate for the way you know uh the promotion was run like what wrestlers were going to be pushed the whole the whole scope of it was really dependent on like the outcome of this match which is so silly because obviously this is a predetermined wrestling match right there's not i mean i can't think of a moment since then that's done such an amazing job of of conflating the two of putting those two of just like totally screwing with the fact that the wrestling audience absolutely knows that Vince McMahon says yes or no on how this match ends. But at the same time, the wrestling audience has such a, uh, a vested interest in in this outcome and thinks that they're influencing this outcome to such a degree uh, that, like, maybe they are. Right. And, you know, the way that type of storytelling goes into, like, the Daniel Bryan trajectory, which that you were there you were there for that watching him lose and then seeing what the audience did and the way it turned to two years later he wins the title and that you know that felt like super participatory but you know we got in we got fucking full on into this thing right away and you know the summer of punk it was i think really our first introduction to the you know the fact that he came back in two weeks it was like, why do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. That, that was that's so silly. Why are they doing that? And then you you read and you kind of get into it, and then all of a sudden it's just like everything that they're doing, it's now become like that was stupid. Yeah, that was that was dumb, and I think that justifiably so. That that summer and like everything leading up to like survivor series when they gave him the belt again it's like triple h goes over and you're you're like why why did he lose to triple h there's nothing good there why is he fighting with kevin nash 
Yeah, I mean, and that's that story just like fell apart. Whatever. The but I mean, I think the idea there, like one of the most formative parts of that summer, was this build to Money in the Bank, where we've got this earnest new love for wrestling, and it's like immediately deflated by him coming back two weeks later, and you know, uh, and then immediately you're just starting to question the classic storytelling machine, the classic creative team behind uh, wrestling. You're, you're questioning Vince McMahon again. You right. know all, he's all the back things, in power. Yeah, yeah. All the things changed. that you know about. Right, yeah. It's like it, it changes for a second, and then it goes back, and then you're just like, oh, well, you know, now I'm, sm- now I'm smartened up, and now I'm unhappy with everything that they're doing. But I think, luckily for us, that didn't last for a very long time. I think the pinnacle for me might have been when the pinnacle of that ultra smartdom, that ultra questioning of uh, of the writers and, and the team behind wrestling and just being a, a pissy wrestling fan uh, happened when Sheamus kicked Daniel Bryan in the face. And yeah. And won in whatever, 20 seconds. Yeah. That, um, was a really, that was a really tough one to witness, um, you know, because I think Daniel Bryan kind of, I mean, he won the briefcase at that Money in the Bank, opened the show in a, to me, what felt like an indication of like, hey, audience, like, we got you. We're like, we're we're putting it on this guy that we know you love. And a lot of that Daniel Bryan, like, storyline, like, with the briefcase and with the World Heavyweight title, I think we were all, like, super nervous. Like, man, they they don't believe in this guy. Right. They really don't. And that, yeah, that was a tough one because it did feel like, you know, that was a really, really solid statement to say, like, that's all it was worth to us. Yeah, we don't think anything of this. And I mean, you know, what in the end it all paid off, right? And in the end that was a very calculated move and it wasn't just like a middle finger. It was something else that, you know, whether or not they had a couple year plan in place, like who knows, they most certainly didn't yeah but like you know i think that it was a really interesting thing to see and and looking back on it that's hilarious and fun and like what a crazy decision that right. got made there yeah and and you know kind of looking at, at the trajectory that's like they find a way to turn first they saddle him with kane which felt like a terrible idea and then that team was amazing. The best. And then they and then they push him and then they turn like the thought that everybody in the audience has that they don't believe in this guy and they turn it into the story and his redemption is overcoming it. And I think that was like, you know, I the redemption story like is the story of wrestling of you know the wrestling match is is overcoming the odds and that was a really really you know moving way that they spun that and you know we were all invested in that win it's one of my favorite wrestlemanias it was i mean and i think like that's even the the greater point by the time we get to 30 uh i mean the brian build becomes the platonic ideal like you said of the wrestling story it's the guy you know going over all of these all of the obstacles that are thrown his way, just overcoming the odds, the underdog hero's tale. You know, it's something that like was so easy to get invested in. And at so many points in time, uh, you thought it was going to, it was going to fall apart. Someone was going to make a bad creative decision, quote unquote, and, and ruin it for all of us. Right. Uh, and I think by the time 30 happens, I'm all in, I'm loving it. And like completely, uh, you know, bought into the process. And I think that, Another thing that happened at that mania uh, that really cemented stuff, and when something really clicked for me, was uh, when my favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar, beat The Undertaker uh-huh. and broke the streak. Yeah. Uh, there was something that monumental that happened at that show, and it just <sighs> flipped a light switch for me that was like, oh, th- this is... Wrestling is so good. This is so smart and so well put together, whether or not they mean for it to be put together the way that we're all interpreting it. Right. The the power of that um that empty sound in the arena when they hit three. The big loud one and two and then nobody says three. You could hear the you could hear the hand hit the mat. <laughs> the, it was silent. It was silent in the room that we were in when we were watching that mania. It was 
just unbelievable. One of the most powerful moments I've ever had regarding any form of media. Uh, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I feel like I have a, a lot of those moments too. And I have a lot of moments of just like, you know, I like, I, I think that watching wrestling the way that I do, I'm rooting for the characters and I'm rooting for the guys. And I think that I'll always be pulling for, for my guys a little bit more earnestly than others because it means a lot to me that Kevin Owens like does well. I'm always worried about like the guys that I really want them to push to just like do well and to exist very well like on this plane because I'm I think that they deserve it and I love them and I care about them. Yeah, they're good artists in your in your eye, right? Like these are these people that you've admired. It's like you want bands that you enjoy to go on profitable and successful tours and you want people to pick up their records. Right. Like similarly you want, yeah, like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to become popular wrestlers and you want them to win all the belts and, and be uh, successful in that field. Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, we've, I I'd say for us, like 30 is kind of the mark too, where it was just like, that's when we started going to rumbles. Yeah. And we went to Mania last year. We'd been going around to like shows that were close to Chicago, in Chicago, but that's when we kind of started like traveling and like putting, you know, trips together with our friends that was just, you know, purely based on like how much fun we have watching wrestling. And then I think, you know, the the people that we that we care so much about who we, we do all that stuff with, I think are, are really, really helpful for us in just the way that they care about it and the way that they've always cared about it. Me coming in hot, you doing the same thing, coming in and just being like, ah, oh, man, this is this is stupid. Like, this isn't what they should be doing. And then just having some people to kind of pull back and be like, dude, wrestling's the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are people that have been reading the dirt sheets since they were 12. Right. And had gotten over that hump of... Uh, of, of feeling like they could book the show better or that like the storytelling is being done poorly. I think wrestling is the best is like the mantra that continues to go through everything. Even when there's like a, a crappy show or something that we didn't like think when our guys didn't win, uh, being able to pull it back over and over again and just say, Oh, wait a minute. Wrestling's the best. Right. I have, I have so much fun like participating in this in the way that I do. And I think that it's really become like I don't I don't necessarily like vibe with the term escape, but it's really the form of entertainment that I just like fully submit to and get like utter enjoyment out of, you know, being analytic but also like having a fucking good time while I do it. It's like it's like music is grating. Like writing is hard. Like all of these things that I like, you know, really really deeply care about. Like it's the lens that I put onto that stuff. I definitely put into wrestling, but it's so much easier to stop and enjoy yourself with wrestling because it's such a holistic form of entertainment. And I think that's like, you know, what we've been working around a little bit here is like, that's why we're here. That's why like you and I talked about doing the show together is to to come together and to have a place where we could talk. We could talk, you know, analytically, we could talk about our guys, we could recap a little bit, but also like I want to talk to somebody about wrestling who is having a good time yeah and i think it's so easy when we go for a week or two without talking about wrestling and then we both fall into our own little wrestling worlds uh it's really easy to submit to that twitter or reddit mentality this like pack mentality that like maybe isn't totally representational of how people that are watching actually feel but it's so easy to just get this negative vibe of of you know everything that's going wrong and how bad all the storytelling is and how horrible they're treating people and how how buried everyone is uh when realistically like you know maybe that's not what everyone's saying maybe it's a couple angry folks that are showing up and, and dominating the internet but, but when either you're way- in the hive mind exactly it's tough 
Yeah, and I think that it's like super necessary. And whenever we do end up talking about wrestling, either just the two of us or within our larger like uh, wrestling friend group, we end up celebrating so many of the things about wrestling that we love. Yeah, and I think that like you know, submitting to the fact that it is a show and that it is like it's obligated to hit on as many levels as it possibly can to you know finding the common ground with the people who you know four years ago i wasn't too down with but now it's like the like these guys serve a purpose and they're good at what they do and like let's have fun watching them do it yeah i think that's like really the I mean, that's why we're here, right? That's why we watch wrestling. It's so... I mean, it's... There are very few angles, I think, overall. Since wrestling is such uh, a self-contained piece of media, it's its own thing. You know, it's it's owned by one company, ostensibly. I mean, like, you know, there's a bunch of other folks out there that we all love. But the major wrestling promotion is one wrestling promotion, uh, which dominates the storylines and, you know the fan knowledge and and who's uh how we're absorbing all of it uh i think having that as the given allows us to uh decide how we're coming at it right Uh, things like movies or books or music have so many other factors that are coming into play uh when you're trying to decide what you're taking in and trying to decide how you're taking it in. right wrestling's just one i think it's like it's 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 an unbelievably self-conscious time to be alive right now every time that i'm looking to watch a movie i'm sitting there thinking like am i watching the right movie am i reading the right book right now like is this is this really like what's best for me Mm -hmm. and wrestling is a place where i can go and like feel so fulfilled in participating in it and you know getting something out of it just by coming in with the notion like I want to be entertained while I do this and that involves the same amount of participation from me as you know going to a show and like and making noise about it enjoying it on your own time it it takes a lot of suspension of disbelief and I think that suspension of disbelief when you feel like you know everything and you know like what's happening behind the scenes it becomes impossible for people and I, I don't I don't got time for that I don't want to I don't want to like come over and and complain about something for three hours and eat a burrito with you and then feel like I wasted my time I, I don't understand it yeah and I think that that's that's what this came from right and you know, now and then there are, I think still for us, there are times where we watch a pay-per-view and we call it a bit of a stinker. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're also almost always able to come out of one of those shows feeling like something was cool. Something moved along. We have new opinions or ideas about who these people are or how these stories are being tell- told uh, or or what the physicality or physical capabilities of, of, of two human beings are right and like you know who who should be in the place when they're not in the place and like you know all of that that's and that's all not to say that that's not something that like we don't talk about and we're like certainly going to be talking about it here but i think that we're approaching this show with the idea that we're gonna make sure that we're enjoying what we're talking about and if what we're what we're enjoying talking about is you know Something that we're not liking at the moment, we'll do that, and then we'll move on. And, you know, so I guess we're kind of setting an an intention to, you know, stay current with the product, but this isn't going to be a recap show. This isn't going to be something where we talk about what happened on Raw every week. Um, My guess is that if you're listening to this, you have people who are already doing that for you. And one of the experiences that I have with those shows, which I do love and I do have plenty of subscriptions to is you hear people that you know talk about the same things every week and they just sound so fucking bummed out so we're gonna do what we can to recap and also keep things moving along in a way that doesn't make it feel like a trudge doesn't make us feel like a crawl which it will 
at at points it will. Inevitably, there's always a time that I you know there's there's the doldrums of wrestling for everybody, whether they come at the same time for all of us or if uh, you know they kind of show up here or there. And you know, I think that I think we're just coming out of a really good experience of a time where that fast lane build not very good. Sure. That was that was not I mean and it comes sort of at the end of a pretty pretty tough year for SmackDown in general. It was on the downward trajectory. Everything that was put together for that show was just like why, you know, why are the Usos fighting the New Day again? Like why are they trying to tease the idea that AJ Styles is going to lose the title? <laughs> that show was fucking good. It was incredible. And I think I think that was a really good testament and a really good uh, example of of how we can start, how we're going to try to approach the show. I think talking about the fact that maybe the build wasn't great, but the show was amazing is worth talking about. Talking about how things like Fastlane or uh, Great Balls of Fire last year had shitty builds and were amazing shows. That's an interesting thing to talk about, and that's a celebratory uh, way to approach things. Whereas talking about SmackDown week in, week out, and our gripes with it. That just sucks, and it's not fun. Yeah, it's a it's a waste. It's a waste of time, and it's like it's you know you do that enough, and then you're like, well, why are you watching it? But you know, you and I, we're going to New Orleans. We're going to WrestleMania. WrestleMania, baby! It's gonna be a really fun time, and I think that you know this card, it it illustrates a lot of points that I think have been kind of you know a part of the meta narrative of wwe storytelling for the last three or four years that that main event we've got plenty to talk about with that and Mm -hmm. you know going from the royal rumble that you and i went to in philadelphia where we booed roman out of the building amazing and (laughs) it was like one of the best nights of my life but you know looking at looking at a lot of components of of the WrestleMania build and thinking about like all right like let's let's break this down and let's talk about like what we're excited about and what we're not so excited about but what we think might be okay with it and all of that all of that sort of thing I think is going to be one it'll be fun because you know this is this is the time of year when it's it's so exciting to be a wrestling fan and I think that I think that, you know, part of uh, the Roman and Brock main event is that it's getting people down. People are not looking forward to it in a lot of ways. And we can unpack those at a different time, but I'm really excited for it. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited to see what happens. I'm really excited to see how the crowd reacts. And I'm really excited because those two had a really, really great match three years ago and i think people are ignoring that fact or they're only focusing on seth's cash in but you know we we're here because we're excited and we want to share that excitement with anyone out here who's listening and we want to share it with with each other because sometimes you gotta you gotta book time in the studio once a week to see your friend but that's just how life goes it's just the way it is <laughs> very busy people so yeah you got anything to add no i'm really just excited to continue to i don't know explore the things that we are excited about i think that's the most important part here i think it, it is really easy just using the uh the main event uh, as a, as an example, it's really easy to, to find the negative things about it. It's really easy to focus on uh, some storytelling issues we may have with things or to, to see the, I don't know, to see the negative side of things. When really, man, it's like WrestleMania is awesome. Yeah. It's going to be, I, I'm, I'm excited particularly for an experience that I think might end up being very similar to the one that we had at Money in the Bank, the one that we had at Royal Rumble 2015, where the action in the ring and the participation from the crowd and the possible outcomes of the match itself are going to have 
a certain weight to them that I think it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna dictate a lot of the future of how the storytelling goes in this company. And I am so excited at the prospects of being on the edge of my seat for something that is already predetermined. Yeah, I think having that, uh, just that air of excitement and and uh, limitless potential when we know that there is only one, there's only one answer that they've already, de- yeah, like you, like you said, there's uh-huh. one answer that's already been determined. Uh, and I think, yeah, just being able to, to revel in that is going to be what it is. And I'm not eating weed this time. I don't know about you. Oh, I but, am. I am. Oh, man. I, I had a freaking near meltdown at the last one. After after having a near meltdown at NXT the night before, I was losing my mind. I ate so much pot at that show. Me too, and I really cannot wait to do that again. <laughs> so this has been episode one of Postmarktum, our podcast about wrestling and about watching wrestling. Thank you so much for joining us for episode one. Come back for episode two. I think that uh, I think that me and my friend Scott here are going to have a good time then, just like we had a good time today. When they come to take you down
stone, tell them the truth.